Hey everybody, welcome to episode 19 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Picciuto and Jimmy DiResta. Before we get going, I want to ask you guys to go to iTunes, if that's where you listen to the show, and leave us a rating and a review. That really helps, and I know I say it every episode, but there's a reason I say it every episode, because it really helps us get in front of other ears, and, um, and it's great for us to hear the feedback. You know, the comments there are good and bad, and we appreciate all of them. You can also uh, leave us comments and thoughts about the show and stuff on Twitter at Making It Podcast. That's great. And in the comments of the actual posts on our website for the shows, makingitpodcast.com. So now that I'm done with that spiel that I say every week, um, I want to thank Luis Gonzalez, Matthew Dickinson, Rick Rhodes, and Chris Kopp. Again, those guys are our top supporters on Patreon. Awesome, awesome. So thank you guys and everybody else from Patreon. Thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate it. So let's talk about what we're working on. David, what are you working on? I'm working on my coffee station. Oh. Which looks awesome, oh, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, we, it's almost done. I'm basically, I'm just, I just need to assemble things. I'm waiting for my Amazon shipment for the hardware, which could be any moment now. And I'm, I've way overproduced this video. It's, <laughs> I, 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 nice. I tried to get real slick with it. I like every, every night when I was done filming, uh, I threw all the footage on the computer and edited that day's work instead of waiting until the end. So, um, I, that's what I do. That you don't do it that way. I mean, that's not typical for you. I throw it on the computer and then I just kind of throw everything in a timeline and then wait till the last day to kind of do all the the fine edits. But this time, this time I went over the top. I got a new camera, and uh, so I'm I'm having fun with that. So oh, that's cool. How many days worth of uh, of shooting has it been? Um. <clears throat> One full day, let's see, one full day last week, and then three days so far this week, and then tomorrow will be another full day. So a full a full week, a Monday through mm. Friday type thing. Uh, I'm really, really happy with it. Really happy with it. Oh, that's so, good. Yeah. Do you give yourself a, a a limit as far as time? Like when, you, when you're really rocking and rolling and you're happy with your edit, do you say, oh, this week I'll go to 14, 15 minutes. It doesn't matter to me. I don't have a set number in my head, but I always try to keep it. <laughs> I always try to keep it as short as possible. I know everybody has a short attention span. And when you're on YouTube, you know, you have 30 videos down the side that other, that people can choose from. So you're competing against all those other videos on that same page. So yeah. I try to keep mine as short as possible. This one's <clears throat> going to be about nine minutes or so, it looks like. But I don't have a set. I don't have a set number. I was stuck on six and 12 minutes in the first couple of years. And now I just, if it takes 14 minutes to tell the story, I do it. But then I always watch it like months later and go, oh, what's all that extra garbage in there for? I should have <laughs> cut it out. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes people write me and they say, you know, the longer videos are good. And so whatever, I, I try and mix it up. But I'm doing something different with this video where I'm not, there's no voiceover in this video. So it's all on screen graphics. And it's mostly okay. what I, I don't know if, a better term for it, build porn, where it's just you get to see somebody build something. And at the end of the video, I'm going to have a a link to click so you can watch my follow-up video that I'm going to do where I actually talk about it. I'm like, this is why I made this design choice. This is um, why I did this and, and that. And so it's actually going to be two videos, one where you just get to watch the build and the other one where I, I kind of oh, cool. talk it. Talk Very it out. cool. So, yeah. Jimmy, what are you working on? Uh, well, I just got back from Louisville, uh, the previous podcast, I mentioned it. So I was out of the shop for quite some time. And when I got back to the shop, I started my aluminum 
axe video, which is the double-bitted axe uh, with the aluminum handle. So that's the, the video as far as videos go. And I haven't edited the still yet, which I'm going to probably start working on tonight. But I did just spend three full days upstate at my house getting it ready for – we have renters. That's why I, I own this house because I rent it. And uh, again, the, the, the hope and dream is that I'll be able to put a building somewhere on the acreage that's away from the original house so that we could be there while we rent the house as well. Um, so we were up there just getting the house ready, and, and it was absolutely beautiful and refreshing to be in the country and cutting stuff and mowing the grass. And, you know, like we don't want people driving on the lawn. So I made like a little fence that goes around the whole driveway. Every year I have to remake it because the snowplow destroys it. So <laughs> right. I don't put a big investment in it. You know, it's always just like a couple of pickets and then I string them together with rope. And uh, yeah, so we just really primping and prepping the house for the last three days. We only plan on being up there Sunday, but then I'm like, you know what? Work is kind of slim for a minute. Let's just keep going. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it was it was super fun and relaxing doing that. I wish I could do that full time, but you know, I got to pay for it somehow. You want to mow grass full time? You can come oh, mow, I, mow mine anytime <laughs> you want. To. Oh, I would I would ride the lawnmower, listen to NPR all day long. I, well, I see, a riding lawnmower in my yard, it, it would take you about. 25 seconds to mow the yard. <laughs> <laughs> it takes me about two hours to mow my lawn <laughs> on a riding mower, just so you know how big it is. Wow. <laughs> you can see it. I mean, there's a couple of twists and turns, and there's like a bunch of rocks I have to avoid because I've broken the blades a bunch of times. And I bring my lawnmower, and they're like, what do you do to this thing? I'm like, do you hate this thing? <laughs> Sorry. It's a I got by four, right? That's, that's what you're supposed to do with these? Yeah, no, well, it's, you know, you drive up a rocks, and then, you know, occasionally, like, the dog toy gets tangled up in the damn thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really, I really love doing that that yard work. It's 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 physical and it's refreshing and it's just different than being in the basement. So that's how it is. Bob, what do you got? Um, I've been working on a screen printing video this week. Finally, um, all right. I made a, a video of a screen printing press like over a year ago, and people have been that. asking me for a, a printing video since then. And I finally, a good friend of mine started a business here in town. And need some T-shirts for the guys that are working for him. So, you know, it's a good excuse to get the printing stuff back out and do a video for it. And it was funny you were talking about like video length because I feel like if my videos are less than five or six minutes, like they don't have enough content in them. Hmm, and yeah. sc- screen printing, there's just really not that much to it. And the yeah. way I cut stuff, I cut out so much in between. It's like action to action to action. And so by the time I got this thing edited down, it was like two and a half minutes. I'm like, ah, that's, <laughs> oh, wow. that's not going to fly. <laughs> well, that's why, did you see my silk screening video? I actually included making the frame <laughs> and making Uh-oh. the screen. For that reason? For that reason, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I ended yeah. up including cleaning the screen at the end just to stretch it out a little bit. Yeah, to give it like some more, um, you yeah, know, re- it's an, that's another thing because you can reuse the screens and a lot of people don't. Say, when you say cleaning, are you talking about reclaiming the screen or yeah. leaving? Yeah. Yeah. Are you using Holden's and, and bleach? Like what, what, which emulsion do you use? Um, I use the speedball emulsion, which is kind uh-huh. of the basic stuff. And then uh, it they have a emulsion remover that works really, really well. I mean, it gets every single bit of it out, which is nice. And it doesn't take very much of it. You know, I never had luck with the. I haven't used it much, and I haven't used it in recent years. But I tried the speedball stuff, and every time I go to wash out my image, the whole thing just washes out. And obviously, I have always underexposed it. Mm-hmm. But I never had any luck. Even when I did get a decent exposure and I go to wash it a couple hours later, the screen just starts to like wash out completely. So mm. I use this stuff called Holden's 250 
that I get here in the city at Standard Screen Supply. And the way you, you can de-emulsify with bleach, just regular household bleach. So if you want oh. to reclaim the screen, you just soak it in bleach for about an hour. Seems you know, like I, that would be bad for the actual screen material. But. Uh, no, because well, it's all nylon. Mm. But believe it or not, it's, it's totally fine. Yeah. yeah. So. I've used the, Dia- I think it's Diazo brand or something. That's what I used yeah. for a long time. And then um, I recently just got the Speedball stuff because I needed to get some new stuff. But yeah, I haven't had any trouble with it washing out, unless I'm using too much pressure with the hose when I'm trying to wash the screen. You know, like the unexposed emulsion. Yeah, it's possible you had a bad emulsion or it was exposed to light at one time. Or mm-hmm. yeah, Bob, is your video is it a multicolor print? No, it's actually just single. Um, and that's another thing. Like I, I show the press in this video the screen printing press just to do a single color. And so it doesn't really take advantage of the fact that it's a multicolor press, but it, it, I didn't need to make multicolor for this particular one, you know, so for this, these shirts for my friend. So I didn't feel like expanding on that area. And, you know, maybe I can do another one about that because there is some stuff about registering multiple color screens together. And I think there's a lot to that. So yeah, may do one with that later. That looks pretty complicated. Yeah. And uh, I want to ask you a question, which leads to our topic. How did you learn how to silk screen? Today's topic is talking about teaching and being taught. Yeah. Um, so how I, did you learn? I started in college. I was in a band. I was in a bunch of bands. But we didn't have enough money to buy T-shirts for, you know, to sell at our shows. And so I had to find a cheap way to do it. Screen printing was a pretty cheap way to do it. And... Um, a friend of mine had done some of it in high school, and so he told me the process. And then from then, it was like, okay, well, I just have to find out more information. So the internet was young at that point, so I'm like trying to find what I can, trying to talk to people in the fibers department at my school, you know. And it was just kind of picking up knowledge here and there and here and there. And since I went to art school, we had tons of art supply stores, and so that was a good place to go. But it was it was a pretty proactive, you know. I don't self-taught. know. Yeah, self taught. I don't know where to find everything I need to know. So I'm going to go find bits here and there and, and kind mm-hmm. of stick it all together. That's kind of the way I've always learned is um, it, you know, I think I've probably said this before, but to have a specific thing that I'm trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And then I go out and find all the pieces of knowledge I need to accomplish that thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I learned silk screening actually while I was a student in the 80s at the School of Visual Arts. And on a whim, I took a silk screening class and it was such a fantastic learning experience. And uh, the teacher, whose name I, I didn't get to know him very well, but he actually worked with Warhol printing and he's since passed away. Mm. Um, he, uh, he, was a, he actually looked just like Warhol and he kind of acted like him. He was a little bizarre, <laughs> but in, in an artsy, fun way, very cool, fun way. Um, and uh, so he just basically let us just do what we wanted. So we all got a chance to really experiment and, and I wasn't until I was uh, out of school and I was screen printing T-shirts and I was working with a guy who was making me and my brother. We had this little character that we were trying to sell with the image of a, on the T-shirt. It was just a one-color print. And we went and hung out at the screen print shop that was making our shirts and we got to be friendly with the guy. And he taught me something that was amazing that I, that I teach my students all the time because I thought you needed the light box with the rubber, with the rubber blanket that vacuum presses it to the glass so you don't have any shadows this is all when you're exposing your glass and he goes oh no all you need is spray glue in the sun he's like what he goes you just spray glue your 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 film positive 
lay it on the emulsion. Of course, make sure you don't overexpose your screen before you get a chance to show it to the sun. And he said, just you know, put a piece of blanket on the back so you don't get some light leak and just walk out to the sun for about 30 seconds. He goes, you go inside. So this way, I didn't A, need a light box and I also didn't need a light box that was like seven feet tall if I wanted to make, because at the time I was making a, a six foot screen for this big giant tall standing thing. Wow. And uh, so, I mean, it's it's funny, that, you know, when you, when you pick the brains of these various people that do the things that you hire them to do and this, you know, these little interactions. Hmm. You know, yeah. I learned some, and I've taught, you know, I've, I've been teaching now for 22 years and I've taught every class that, that lesson. Yeah. Just to, you know, if you don't have, because people have the misconception they needed the lab in my school, they have the misconception they need the lab to make the screen. Right. And they're like, oh, I can't make a screen because I can't get into the lab because there's a lab fee and I've already used my lab fee for last semester. I'm like, no, all you need is either the sun or, you know, just a good, strong light source. Of course, you need to know that light source and know how strong it is. It's funny. When I started printing, I couldn't afford to buy the frames. And um, I think that might have been one of the first things I made out of wood in college was to make a frame, which was really awful, by the way. I mean, (laughs) awful, awful. And I went to Joanne Fabrics and bought, like, Probably the wrong stuff, but it was the most screen-like material I could find. You know? <laughs> That's funny. <And laughs> you didn't sta- even buy silk screen. No, no. It was just like, you know, stuff could go through it. And <laughs> stapled it on the backside of it. And then <clears throat> to do the same thing you're talking about, I actually took the glass, a, a glass panel off the top of my fish tank that was, you know, it stops water from getting to the light when you have it on top of a fish tank. And I used that to lay on the back of the screen to hold the design against the, th- the screen. And then I took it out into the sun. Kind of the same kind of deal. So that's how I started printing. And then I did that, you know, I improved that a little bit over the years. But then later on, after I was out of college, a friend of mine who was a professor said, hey, I'm going to go print some stuff, some posters at the school's screen printing lab. Do you want to come do some stuff. I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm still have this mental image of like the super DIY, you know, screen printing stuff. I go in there and this school has, you know, a four by eight vacuum table with like yeah. all this crazy stuff. And these, it was in a, the building was actually in an old, uh, prison or old oh, jail. Cool. Because like in Savannah, a lot of the buildings are the historic buildings have been turned into college buildings. Anyway, so the washout room to wash out your screens was actually like a, a prison shower. <laughs> like this tiny little room with a drain in the middle of the floor. But, oh, that's cool. But it was funny starting from this like super DIY, you know, kind of whatever I could get my hands on. And then all of a sudden finding myself in this really posh kind of nice lab setting. And Yeah, I not, had just the opposite experience. Yeah. Where I, wasn't, I didn't have access to that anymore, so I had to like work it out. Right. But that's really cool. So, um, just to kind of bring it back to the topic, uh, we're talking about teaching, and it's obvious that the three of us are all teachers. You know, whether you guys like it or not, you're, you're teachers, and I think you're you're aware of that, right? You guys know that you're teachers, right? Yeah, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> 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 because you know, everyone's just like, "Oh, he's a YouTuber," but you know, you're a YouTuber and you're a teacher because you're teaching people, and you know, we get great feedback. You know, the three of us together for this show, and then individually. Um, so, getting feedback is is really really nice, but. Uh, People often ask me how I became a teacher at the School of Visual Arts, and maybe some people don't even know that, but I've been teaching at the school that I went to. I graduated in 90, and I began to teach in 94. But uh, my, my teacher that hired me, he was my teacher while I was a student, he hired me to teach a class that students would take before they took him, because he teaches all concept, all three-dimensional concepts. So he, would, he really emphasizes concept, but not necessarily the how-to. And he, he knew that I was very good technically at making things. And he said, 
I want you to come here and develop a class where you could teach the students how to make things so that they had the, the technical knowledge so that when they come to my class, I emphasize the concepts, they know how to do them. And uh, so that's what I've been doing now for 20, 22 years. I've been teaching at the School of Visual Arts. My class is 3D design. I teach one day a week for three hours. And uh, my students this year, I have a really good crop of students. Tomorrow's my last class. And um, it's, it's been extremely rewarding for me being able to teach because it keeps me thinking. It keeps me constantly, just like YouTube, you know, all of us have that experience of like constantly trying to make sure that we come up with something interesting and unique to film or to, you know, a subject or, or a product. I've had the last 20 something years to, to try and have that same experience. Like I'm going to walk into a classroom full of, you know, 25, 20 year olds and I have to try and keep them entertained for three hours and engaged and interested. So do you ever, for me, I've, go ahead. Do you ever maintain the relationships with your students? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm friendly with a lot of my students, and then you know the ones that I don't stay in touch with. Uh, there's been more than a few occasions where they call me ultimately and say, "Man, I wish I would have stayed in touch with you. What's going on? I just want to say hi." You know, so that's super nice. And I've done that with my teachers as well. Even up until recently, I sent uh, to my drawing teacher. I found her online. I didn't even know if she was still alive because she was old when she was my teacher in the '80s. And I wrote her a nice note, and she was, she just said, "Wow, that's really sweet to hear." Oh, you know, so nice. it's nice to to pay it back. And you know, these people like. I, I know we've said it when we talked about mentors and stuff. It's like it, I constantly hear in my head like the things that people taught me as I'm about to do them. You mm. know, I'm about to do this and I hear my dad say, always do this or always do that. Make sure you don't do that. Make sure you don't do that. Do it this way. Or, you know, whether it's my dad or, or Kevin, the one teacher that hired me, or whether it's my drawing teacher who I just talked about. Uh, you know, she said, draw from your, your shoulder. She taught me that in 1985. Draw from your shoulder, <laughs> not from your wrist. And I said it in the bandsaw video a couple weeks ago. I'm like laughing. Oh, that's right. I didn't even yeah. realize it. I said, I was saying, that's Jane Rosen. She said, draw, you know, draw from your shoulder. And then when I did the, when I, when I rocked them, I'm, I'm doing the visual for these guys. When I, when I rocked from my waist, you know, when you're going to do cut a big circle on the bandsaw, I learned that from a guy named Lucky, who's, who was like 80 years old when he taught me that at the sign shop in 1986. So you know, I remember these little things that I'm like now telling everybody through YouTube and then also through my class. That's that's and, interesting. Uh, it's kind of like like design. You 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 gather up all these influences from all walks from all your your entire life. Yeah. And yeah. then you funnel it down into what you do as far as design. And teaching is kind of the same way. You take everything you learn from everybody else, make it your yeah. own and and pass that information along. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm like a lot of the tips. That's why I always like when I introduce my tip videos, I say some I've learned, some I picked up, somebody told me some I learned in this last couple of days and some I invented. I don't always specify exactly what, but you know, that's what my tips are, you know, and mo more than most of them are just things I picked up from other people like Lucky and Jane Rosen and whoever else, you know, so, um, and now, and, and I wanted to ask you guys, I mean, I've obviously had the experience of teaching. Have either of you guys had that same experience of teaching? Yeah, I mean, I taught for a little bit at the art school that I went to after I finished. <clears throat> oh, you mentioned that. You said that you you were basically put in as a teaching position like immediately. Yeah, yeah, like a week after I finished school, yeah, uh, which great. was really cool. And and there was a part of it that I really loved. There was a part, and <laughs> I know exactly what that part was, but <laughs> the, the two or three people in a class of 12 that were super motivated to be there that were, and they were actually at, at that time, they were graduate students. And so they were in that class specifically, you know, like on purpose, not because they had to take it. 
Mm. And they were seeking so hard to f- try to figure out how to do the stuff that was being taught that it was just like easy. I was I was motivated. Yeah, it was easy. I wanted to help them. I wanted to do right. whatever I could to get them to get it. And then the people that are there that don't care at all, that is, I think, I would imagine one of the biggest killers of a teaching profession ever because it's it's funny whenever i have like a couple of duds i just constantly hammer them i pick on them i'm like yeah you know and like i'll say to them you know i use my sense of humor to like kind of call them out and then eventually like by me calling them out and being like okay everybody except for you two you guys don't care and then you know i'll do something like that oh yeah, yeah. and it, it always calls them out and then they eventually kind of come to the table hmm. that, that was the thing that i just <laughs> learned a technique from jimmy there you go <laughs> make fun of people <laughs> But I always had a hard time with that those people because I just I kind of just didn't want them to be there. Like, what? Go do something that you want to do. You know, like don't don't waste the effort and the time of the people around you who are actually trying to learn. Unfortunately, that's just a that's just part of being in school. You know, not everybody wants to be yeah. everywhere. So if you're a teacher, you're going to have to run into that. And the same thing. My dad actually teaches. Um, he doesn't really teach. He helps with a junior high Lego league. And these junior high kids get together. That's great. They have a they get an assignment from the state, or like there's some sort of statewide competition thing. And it's like you know make a machine that can do these three things or whatever. And so the kids have to figure out how to solve those problems. Then they have to figure out how to build a robot to solve those problems. And then they have to figure out how to program that robot to solve those problems. So there's wow. a lot of steps there. And these are junior high kids. And so my dad started doing that several years ago and has had some real success with getting kids, you know, motivated about or realizing that they like engineering. They like all the, those different types of problem solving. But then at the same time, he's almost not going to do it anymore or, or has had a lot of trouble because there's kids that just, they just want to play Legos. You know, they're just in there for a very different reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the thing I always struggled with in in having that type of, environment where you have two really different types of learning interest in one place is how to shift like you usually go into a a class like that with a curriculum with a certain thing you need to cover like how to actually shift the day-to-day lesson to be able to reach both of those sets of people yeah and this is very classroom specific maybe but uh, well i don't know maybe it applies to youtube too yeah you know you know what i do i mean what I do is I, I tell my students straight away, uh, we have 15 sessions per semester. I say, I go, I'm going to show you 15 different things. Some of you are going to key on one thing, and that's going to be the one thing you love. And you, you're going to leave this class. Everything else I say, it doesn't matter to you. And I understand that. Everything else is going to be a burden. You'll find one or two things. Maybe it's bookbinding, and that's the one thing you decide you love. Some of you, hopefully more of you or all of you, will one day want to do all of these things or, you know, 90% or 75% of the things I'm going to show you. And so I just basically open the door like, you know, I'm not expecting 100% attention on every single subject they show, but at least leave with a concept of being inventive and curious. And mm. that's that's really like the overall thing I try and tell them. But, you know, as it comes to like each particular lesson, they might not be interested, but at least, you know, have enough courtesy to to be interested while you're here. So that everybody doesn't seem like, you know, so, so if, if everyone's watching and clapping and laughing, then, you know, it just helps the energy of the room. Yeah. yeah. Bob's the only one of us that has kids. So I, I kind of want to know, how do you teach kids different than you teach adults? Um, there's a, <clears throat> well, so far, I mean, my kids are relatively young. So I think, you know, 
an elementary school kid learns a lot different than a middle school kid. So my methods are going to have to change, I think. But um, with adults, you can kind of be a little more aggressive with the teaching. Like, here's what I'm going to teach you. And if you don't want to learn it, it's your fault. You know, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, here, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to do everything I can to teach you. And if you decide not to learn it, that's on you. It's not on me. With a kid, you can't quite do that. One, because they're my kids and I love them and I'm not going to act like that towards them. But also just because, you know, they are still so hyper aware of everything around them that if I'm going to tell you something, it may not be entirely their fault that they can't pay attention to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's there's a lot of grace that kind of has to go with like how you teach. Um, and sometimes like I just, with my kids, I just have to realize that even though I really want to explain why the sky is blue in this particular moment, then they're looking at the sky and they think it's awesome. Sometimes they just don't want to hear that. And it it's not that I can't teach them that, but it, now may not be the time. Whereas in a classroom setting, that that can't really happen as much. You know, you have stuff you have to get through, whatever. But with kids, it's, I think... I've found better success in just being in the moment with whatever it is their attention is on and trying to use that as the lesson. So if like my older son, like, okay, for, so for Christmas, he got a um, this little model of a motorcycle and it's like a science thing. So you has a, some sort of cell in it and you put a little drop of salt water, which causes a chemical reaction and makes the, the wheels roll. Pretty cool. He's into it because it's a motorcycle, right? So he's putting mm-hmm. this model together and so I figured, hey, that's a great example to talk about a little bit of science. So let's talk about why the salt does that. You know, what are, oh, there's multiple metals in there and they're reacting with this. And and it made sense at the time. He was really excited. And then later on when he had this thing put together and he wanted to actually run it, he could care less about the science. I tried to bring it up again to see if he had retained any of it. Wasn't interested, you know. So it was really more about just like finding the moments where you can try to get a little bit of teaching in about whatever it is that's present on their mind. Whereas adults, you can be a little more like, I don't care if you're thinking about X, Y is what we have to talk about today. <laughs> you know, you know what, what it's funny uh, to try and joke, just, I, I always try and approach everything with a sense of humor. Cause I find that if my students are laughing and giggling, you know, they kind of engaged. So I always jokingly say like, you know, whatever their current, like who's the band, like who are you guys listening to? Who's like, you guys are still listening to Britney Spears? I'll say something like that to get them giggling, you know? And because they're all just because they're young, like they still like Britney Spears, you know what I mean? Well, she's come and gone 10 years before these guys were, <laughs> were 10 year olds. So I, I, it's funny, my students are 20 years old. And 20 years ago, you know, it seems like two weeks ago to me. Yeah. So uh, it's funny, I can kind of kid around with them about, you know, the age gap and, and have fun with that with them. And uh, that always keeps them interested. And and then then they realize that I'm kind of like I might be naive to some like pop culture that's their age group. And then they'll teach me. They'll be like, oh, like I learned Tumblr. I learned about Tumblr from one of my students. Like, you need to be on Tumblr. You have cool stuff. You got to show your stuff on Tumblr. And, and, you know, stuff like these type of things. Even Instagram. Like, I wasn't paying close attention to Instagram. My students are the ones that like, oh, and then you got to, if you want to see my students, you, me me with my students, you got to do a hashtag Jimmy's 3D class. Mm. That's And then you can see some of the uh, hashtags of me with my students. That's like in-class stuff? Yeah, in-class. Because the minute, it's funny now, as the generations go, I was teaching where no one had a cell phone. And now I teach where everybody has a cell phone. So in class, I'm like, I say to him, I go, I don't care if you text and do whatever. I don't, because some teachers like make you put your phone away and turn them off. I go, I don't care if you text, do whatever you want. You can videotape me. You can film me. Just hashtag Jimmy's 3D class, please. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like your approach. So to that, that my 
so my friends could see it. And I said, I go, you know, if you're going to text, at least just pretend to be interested and pretend to be involved. That's what I say. Mm. You know, don't be, if you're going to really just check out, just go for a coffee break and just come back, you know, when you want to hear what the homework was. So uh, I think, you know, when I do that approach, I think people like respect that. I'm not going to sit there and demand their attention. Yeah. If, uh, you know, if you want to play along and have fun, just, you know, just it helps the energy in the room if you're if you're involved if you're here if you don't want to be involved that's fine just you know be respectful and and uh, you know so it's sometimes I'll call like I'll I'll notice somebody's totally not listening and I'll just call on them for I'm like what did I just say and they're like uh, uh, I go I don't care if you care just go back to what you were doing just pay attention <laughs> you know so I call I call like I'll friendly embarrass people just for fun Dave, Dave was my student so Dave, Dave when when we have Dave on Dave could tell you some funny stuff about me being a teacher. Oh, that's so that's how you met Dave then, right? Yeah, Dave was my student um, in nineteen uh, no in two thousand and seven. That was the year I turned forty, so that's why I remember that. Um, so Dave was uh, Dave was my student, and um, and him and his buddy John, they were like a tight knit crew, and so they started working with me. And John now John travels around, and Dave is uh, is here in New York. So. Yeah, so it's a it's a. It's fun, and and I just started teaching a high school class now, which is cool. So you talk about different age, you know, like I kind of try and identify with the older kids. You know, I curse a little bit. It keeps them, you know, like, oh, oh, he's hip and cool. He curses. But sometimes it's just how I talk. But with the kids, I got to really be guarded because I don't want to curse. You know, I want to be – it's more of a respectful setting. So I got to be careful. Um, like but the podcast. other day, Just like this podcast, yeah. <laughs> uh, so with uh, a couple days ago, I was teaching the, the high school kids at Solomon Schechter. Hello, everybody, if they're listening. I know they listen a little bit. And um, I said this. I said something. I said I, I said a joke. I said a dirty word, and they all cracked up laughing. So <laughs> and then they were like hanging on my every word after that. Mm. It wasn't a real dirty word. It was just like you know, like a, it was like I said ass or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And uh, because it was unexpected, they were all like. Right. What's he going to say next? So now all of a sudden, they were like all listening to everything I was saying. So it was a really funny moment, like a little engagement lesson. That surprise is something I have used with my kids as well. When you can't get them, and not for teaching as much as just getting their attention. Yeah. You know, so if, like my son's really into reading right now. He's starting to read these books that are bigger, you know, books. And so he gets really engrossed in them. And I'm like, hey, time for dinner. Hey, time for dinner. Hey, time for dinner. You know, like five times in a row and he's not looking up. And then I'll just yell some random word, you know, hot dog, or something super loud. And he just kind of looks up like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's time for dinner. <laughs> you know, so that just catching people off guard. Like, I, I thought you were going to say you slapped the book out of his hand. No, no. <laughs> I don't think that would be terribly encouraging. Reading is awful. Go eat. <laughs> no, but catching people off guard in that way is pretty a good way to get some attention, you know, get their it, attention. Definitely. Yeah. And, and like it, it also, like I said, in the beginning of the semester when students are like, oh, this isn't really what I'm into. I'm just going to continuously text while I'm in the class. It keeps them kind of like engaged. They're like, oh, what, you know, what, what is the unexpected that I'm, that I'm not going to, that I don't want to miss. Bob, do you have intentions on teaching again in a classroom setting? I, I would like to. Um, I don't have any specific, you know, ideas about it or anything, but I, I did enjoy it to the point to where I'd like to do it again. But I think I would enjoy, rather than doing a college or even younger, I would, I think I would enjoy more of like a targeted, you know, like where I do a class about X that nobody is required to go to, that people are only there because they want to learn about X, you know? Yeah. I think that would be a lot more motivating for me to spend the time and to, 
you know, to like really pour into it because I don't want to do something just to do it. I would want to do something so those people really walk away with some knowledge. You know, yeah. yeah. I personally have never taught in in a classroom, and I don't have any intentions on doing so. I don't really have a desire to teach in a classroom setting. I do hope to someday maybe do like uh, a conference and and speaking. Um, I'd have to get over I think that's, some of uh, my fears, but that's. I think that's inevitable for for all three of us. For yeah. Sure. And one-on-one, I, I think I would really enjoy one-on-one, having somebody come over and teaching the basics of, of something. But yeah, no classroom settings for me, one-on-one or uh, some sort of conference. Do you think that's just because of the, like, you would rather have the intimate, intimate nature of, like, teaching one person so that you know they get it? Or, like, what's the what's the disconnect between I, those I two? I think classes? because then we can work at the pace that, works for both of us because when Uh, you teach a class like we've all been to the college classes where the class only moves as fast as the slowest people right mm. and so you're just like oh come on and i don't i don't ever want to have somebody else slow somebody else down i think Mm -hmm. it makes sense do you see yourself as a teacher being on youtube like i said in the beginning i think so i mean i'm trying to teach what i know um sometimes i'm learning while while making these videos, so I'm teaching myself. But yeah, I, th- I think so. Oh yeah. man, that's that's interesting you say that. I hope people don't think that, I, I don't want to speak for you guys, I hope people don't think that I know exactly what I'm doing when I'm making these projects <laughs> because I Google how to do things while I'm in production on a video and I learn, you know, like, I mean, that's... Same with me. I mean, I mean, it's obvious the things I've done repetitively a million times, but when I get into something new, like, I think it's plainly obvious to the trained welder, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just like guessing you know, yeah. vaguely in the right direction, you know, so this, the welding is one thing that people watching, like, you have no idea what you're doing, do you? I'm like, not really. That's what works. <laughs> What's the best way to learn something? To teach yeah, it, just right? Keep doing it. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. And, and so. I mean, I hope that through, you know, I, it's hard to, for me to know how, and this is very YouTube specific again, but it's hard for me to know exactly how people walk away from watching YouTube videos as far as, you know, like what they took away from it. You know, I, I wonder if people generally watch them to walk away with a certain skill or with inspiration or with, you know, motivation or like what the thing is. And I guess it's different for everybody, but I always kind of hope that people will walk away from videos with the like, oh, wow, that I just learned something I didn't know how to do. I should be able to go learn, learn some more stuff I didn't know how to do. And like it's, you know. I had that experience over the weekend because my my old truck, my old pickup truck stepside is up at the house. I keep it up there, and and uh, every time I'm up there, I try and spend a few hours with it, just just uh, fiddling around and just seeing, you know, just trying to improve it because it hasn't been maintained in 40 years. Like I literally realized the muffler was loose, like from the manifold, so I had to get up underneath it and tighten the muffler. And you know, I was anticipating breaking the bolts off because they look so rusty. So and then the steering was extremely loose. So I thought to myself, hmm, let me just YouTube it. So I watched like 10 videos on how to tighten the steering box, which is something I've never done in my life, hmm. right to YouTube. And I picked a couple of different guys to kind of watch through their videos. And, and again, you know, mechanics and stuff is a little very different than the things we do because it's all very specific. This is exactly what you're supposed to do. This is the results you can expect. And um, it, was, uh, it was interesting to kind of pick and choose through these different YouTubers to decide which was the one that gave me the most information. Hmm. And I ended up sticking with this one guy who who was absolutely clear. He took the the, the, the steering box completely apart to show you what to expect. And uh, yeah, so uh, I definitely came away with an education that I hadn't had in my 48 years at all. 
Like I had no idea that you could tighten the steering box by just turning one or two screws. You know, they said that's like a that's a step in the right direction of maybe needing a new one because if it's wearing, you obviously need, probably need to get something. But it's at least a stopgap measure, this little thing. So, I mean, if stuff like that, I'm always like running to YouTube. Even with my brakes, I changed the brakes a couple weeks ago on the truck. Went right to YouTube, how to do it, what to expect. I haven't done it since I was in high school on my Toyota. I used to check the brakes. But um, so... YouTube is a, is a, an amazing teacher. I know. I mean, it's a redundant. We keep talking about it, but it's I, just I it's, watch, it's amazing. I watch a lot of YouTube videos, and I think mostly it's a lot of it's part of my job. I need to collect YouTube videos for my show, but many times I'm watching these videos for entertainment purposes. I want to see somebody build something, and I'm entertained by that. But every once in a while, I'll see something. I'm like, that's an awesome technique. I'm putting that in my back pocket. So I mm-hmm. watch yeah. it for entertainment, but. I'll, I'll pick up that little nugget and, and use that in one of my videos or one of my projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done that with Jimmy's videos a thousand times. <laughs> like, oh, you know, good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, so did, I think uh, I think one of these days, the three of us are probably going to end up teaching a class, you know, somewhere, some way, logistically speaking. If we ever, if I ever get my building built, we'll have a special weekend where you guys come and the three of us will do something together live. That would be awesome. Whoever yeah. wants to come and cook hamburgers with us. And, Hang out in the country. You know, those, these are like, these are things that I'm hoping to try and pull off one of these years. Yeah. That'd Thanks. be pretty amazing. So, uh, D- David, what's the, I've been meaning to ask you this. So, like, everybody learns in a different way. <clears throat> what's the, like, most efficient learning path that you have? By far, it is somebody one on one teaching me how to do something. So, mm. um, when I started to get, back into woodworking four years ago, I picked up a lot of things on YouTube. I just watched YouTube woodworking videos nonstop. And, but when I took a a local class here, it was me and one other guy and, and, and the teacher, I learned so much more from that teacher being there with me in person to guide me through these cuts. Because when you're actually, when you're working with a teacher, there's nothing there to stop you from doing what you need to do. Because if you're at home and you're learning how to build a, a case or a cabinet, there are so many distractions that can stop you from making that cut. Mm. Or you might overthink something. But when you have somebody right there beside you, you have nothing to do but to make that cut. And you mm. learn by doing. So that's that's my favorite way. Interesting. What about you, Jimmy? What's your... like? you know, clearest, quickest learning path to get to a new skill or something? Uh, It's funny because I was just thinking of my answer. I immediately have to try it. Like when I was watching these videos of trying to fix the the steering box in my car, I literally would watch three minutes of it, then run outside. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was watching on my laptop. I didn't have my laptop out in the driveway with me. So I'd go back and I watch three minutes and I'd be like, okay, and I run outside and I fiddle around with it. And then like some time would pass and then I go, I'll watch another two minutes of it. And I'm thinking to myself, why can't I just watch this whole 20 minute video from beginning to end, suck in that information and go do it. I just instantly have to go and try it. I have to just be like, <laughs> like when I, whenever I get anything, like when we got the, you know, we got the, the, uh, I try to just look at instructions for like three seconds and then just throw them away and just try and do what I have to do. And then I get like, ah, and then I pick up the instructions and I'm like, okay, I scan to where there's an image of that thing. I don't know what it is. And then I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then I just throw it away and I just immediately get right back into it with my own hands. So learning by doing is, is really the most important thing for me. And then again, you, you just said it, David, uh, one-on-one. 
there's been a couple experiences in my life, and the one that comes to mind is when I was learning how to use the ShopBot. I was trying, I was looking, you know, no disrespect to ShopBot, but your videos are, are absolutely horrible. The worst produced videos on all of YouTube, ShopBot videos. I haven't watched them lately, so maybe they got better. No disrespect. <laughs> there goes a sponsor. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> no, well, we could do their videos for them, was what we should be doing. Oh, okay. But, um, so that's my sales pitch. Uh, <laughs> So I was watching their videos and I just, it just wasn't keeping me because it's not entertaining and it's not engaging. And, but when I sat down with one of the kind people at ShopBot, I'm trying to win them back, um, at Makeafair a couple of years ago, she just showed me a couple of like this, 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 this. And I'm like, oh my God, you've just completely enlightened me. I totally get it now. This interface, which was completely, was like a, was like a, it was like Chinese arithmetic to me immediately made sense to me because she said, oh, this is where you do this. And this is and like all of a sudden I was able to like overlay Illustrator onto this thing. I know Illustrator back and forth, but I don't know this interface, which is basically Illustrator. And uh, so one-on-one is very valuable in the right circumstance for sure. Bob, yeah. how about you? The one-on-one stuff, I don't know. That doesn't really, um, it's never been something, I, I guess I've really thought about that. Maybe that's important. But I don't get a lot of that, so it's not you know present on my mind. I'm kind of the same way as Jimmy, where I want to try it immediately. <clears throat> I realize that I'm very results oriented. Yeah. So if I okay, so for instance, remember last week I was talking about the Teensy, that little Arduino thing. Yeah. Well, I was hooking up. You may have seen on Instagram. I was hooking up an LED strip to it, and I was a little confused about some of the inputs and outputs and all this stuff. So I immediately go to Google looking for a picture of someone else how they've wired it up, just for clarification. Yeah, and yeah. I do so, that a lot. So I Google this thing. I, yeah, I get an image, and I see the image on screen. Don't read any of the text around it. I immediately see the image. I wire it up the same way, plug it in, it doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, looking for a different image. Without thinking about the fact that somebody posted that image because it didn't work, right? <laughs> they post the <laughs> image because they want help with it. And I, I do that constantly, where I find, I, I Google, I find a reference, I try it. Instead yeah. of like, reading and you know like going to the bottom of the page where the solution is um but so i found that you know often i'm i'm quick to the result rather than the process um which i think you can see in like the way that i do woodworking you know the process is less important to me than the final product and um but so it's very like gathering up the pieces of knowledge for me i just go get the pieces i need to make the thing and i try to get the thing made you know that's my Goal. Now, if the thing was like a process, if I wanted to learn how to do a certain type of joinery or something like that, that's, you know, the things are different. The, to you know, um, So I guess the learning may look a little different, but I still think I'm very results-oriented in that way. You know, you just reminded me, I, I just downloaded Final Cut 10. You guys use Final Cut? Yeah. See, I haven't used Final Cut since it was like completely the old interface, like Final Cut 4 or 3. That's how long it's been for me. And so I just said, you know what, let me, because it, it actually is more useful to use with the time lapses I've been experimenting with. So I downloaded it for the first time. And uh, I went to a couple of YouTubers and I found a couple of guys that are very engaging and, you know, well-spoken and, you know, really right to the point. I can't tell you their names, but I, I've been doing that as well this weekend. Uh, I keep thinking today is, is Monday. Of course, it's Wednesday. But um, these last couple of days, I, I, was, I, I keep looking at 
Final Cut Pro educational videos. And it's, it's hard to find ones that are like not made in the last three years. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. yeah. have if, any input on that? But everyone of, I look seems like it's a couple years old. If you want to learn, my favorite, favorite source in the whole world is lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A. And it costs not, not a sponsor, not a yet. sponsor yet. Although they do sponsor a lot of podcasts, <laughs> they so. do, Linda. <clears throat> if you're out there, um, it does cost money. It's something like twenty dollars a month, um, and we had it at my old work, so I've been able to log in with my old employers, uh, log in for a while now. But my local library now offers it for free to all library members so I, I i can access it for free wow. and it's just it's software tutorials business tutorials self-development tutorials and they're all really well done and you can watch the videos in double speed which is how i like to consume my content hmm. i just yeah. i just put it on double speed i do i even do that with my youtube videos like i just i i I don't have time to watch a 10 minute video. Let's make it five minutes. And I bet my videos look crazy fast. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, you think, you know, like 25 speed. And yeah. stuff. A couple of the students at, uh, at the high school, they watch my videos in fast forward. The teacher told me, he goes, not only are you too quick, but he goes, they need to watch it in fast forward. Cause they understand what you're doing that quick, which is impressive. <laughs> wow. So cool. Well, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up. Hopefully everybody, um, you know, hopefully you learn something. Hopefully, but yeah. it would be really interesting, as always, to hear from you guys um, about how you learn, or maybe some like people that have been really influential in teaching you something. Um, you know, we didn't talk about very much about specific teachers who've made an impact on us. Maybe we can do that because I know Jimmy, you've talked about them before, but yeah, maybe we can do that in the future. But yeah, let us uh, let us know on Twitter or on the site or something about how you guys learn, or if you have any suggestions especially when it comes to teaching kids or high school students or any of that stuff. I just want to say that the comment section on our website is just blowing up. Like we're not getting just like the little like good job guys, but we're getting like paragraphs of awesome replies to the podcast, which is mind blowing. It's really, really good feedback. Yeah, that's great. I I read them, but I can't, I I somehow I tried to comment and then it takes me to some other website and I have to sign up for something else. (laughs) One of these guys, you guys have to teach me. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's got to help old man Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) So I I was able to comment the very first time and then somehow I like, and then something I went to comment and said, sign in here. I was like, what? Isn't this my website? I would have to sign in. (laughs) So I I got to, I got to work out. Yeah, we'll get it worked out. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But um, we can find out about everybody at the same places as every week. But let's say them again. David. Drunkenwoodworker.com. JimmyDuresta.com or Duresta Unlimited. I think it takes you to the same spot. I hope. And I like to make stuff.com. Should I just start saying those three every week rather than everybody else? No, because I might might change it up. I might just promote my Twitter one week or my Instagram another week or even my Tumblr, which I haven't updated in months. But I will now because that's what the kids look at. That's what the kids are looking at. I'm yeah. telling you. Every once in a while, one of my tumblers gets blogged like two times, and I get excited. <laughs> <laughs> I got a notification. Yeah, and then there's a picture of a cat that has like 75,000 reblogs. I'm like, what just <laughs> happened? I just put up the coolest thing I ever made in my life, and it gets reblogged twice. <laughs> you know, so, dire- dire- you, you said your other website's dressed to Unlimited? Uh, well, it is. This, it, it, it used to be two. Now they both go to the same URL, I hope. Yeah. Nice. Dressed Unlimited just sounds like a fancy New York clothing store. So, which well, it is. You know, 
But what happened was that that's actually the name of the corporation that you know my bank is under and everything. That's my corporation because I had to. Uh, I had a corporation with my my brother, which was Duresta Diversified, because we did so many different things, and then we closed that down. And then I had to start something with the same accountant. So he goes, well, just come up with a name that's like the old one. And I was like, okay, how about the rest of Unlimited? Because I didn't want it to be like the rest of woodworking and the rest of fabrication. So that's my long, boring story. Sorry. <laughs> well, I got a quick bit of follow-up. Um, it just came in on Twitter while we were recording this. Uh, Craig said, remember last time we were talking about uh, putting electronics in epoxy? You were asking me if it worked? Yeah. Craig says, uh, about putting electronics in ponce- po- epoxy, I tried it. For the first time yesterday, and it works so far. And he's got a vine, oh. so oh, cool. um, yeah, well, I'll put that in the show notes. People That's really take cool. A look at it, but so oh, that, that works. Thanks, Craig. Craig and Craig, Craig also, Craig Retu. I'm sorry, I probably don't know how to spell your name, but he also supported us on Patreon today. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Craig. You're awesome. Um, so yeah, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week later on. Thank you, guys. 